Blog Talk Radio. Travel in time 
I can do is the best I can and go there in my mind. So I close my eyes, imagine I'm there, hide and seek musical chairs, hot summer nights. And the cool winter snow From once upon a long time ago I smile as I look back on roads I've crossed Traveling down memory lane But without all of those that I loved and lost Life is not the same For all the good times I can recall To all I've loved God bless you all The happiest moments That I'll ever know Were once upon A long time ago song because now we know the meaning of a house full of love as Jesse sings the song Jesse Goldberg who wrote and sang this song because we think of Eastern as our home for so many years it's a great song to start our Eastern Airlines radio hour so um, uh, today we've got a couple of uh, hosts that uh, are on our show I think they're one of them. Uh, let's start off with the one on the top of my producer's board at area code 770. And we know 770 must be in the Atlanta area. Hello, Al Jenkins. Hello, everybody. Good to hear from you, Al. And we've got a call. Uh, we've got uh, one at 519. I'm not sure that might be uh, old Bill up there in the mountains of North Georgia, Bill Kennedy. Is that you, Bill? Uh, 519 nope. might be Renee McKinnon in London, Ontario. Oh, Renee, 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 so good to hear from you. How are you? You're way up Very there good. in Toronto area. Yeah. The area. Yeah, well, we're celebrating so I... our Thanksgiving today. Yours is next Monday, so we're having a holiday here. Well, next month is uh, no, no November. We celebrate our Thanksgiving. Yeah, I think it's next week. I think. Anyhow, it's coming up. Okay. <laughs> so you celebrate yours when tomorrow? No, it's today. We're having the turkey and all the trimmings and everything good. Oh, great! Oh, that, I didn't know that. Well, that's yeah. great, and uh, and uh, so you you celebrate. How, Thanksgiving. I never knew that. Uh, in in October, 
where we celebrate yeah, great hours. Yeah, you're the uh, 25th. Yeah, I think we've been celebrating hours, correct me if I'm wrong, Al, uh, the third Thursday of uh, November. Yeah. 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 So, uh, oh, that's great. Has the weather changed up there for you, Renee? Uh, today is a beautiful warm day. You know, it's almost like being in Florida. <laughs> Not quite, but we dream. Well, how warm is warm in Canada? <laughs> uh, today it's up in the, um, I guess, uh, about 75 degrees. Fahrenheit. Okay. Oh. Well, that sounds warm. All right. Very good. Yeah, our temperature is starting to go down a little bit. We've noticed it come down from the 90s, and now we're in the comfort zone of the uh, low 80s. And uh, that's very comfortable here in in sticky Florida with the, all the bugs. And I've noticed a lot less bugs flying around and showing up. So it must be a sign of, of uh, fall for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, good to hear both of you. Uh, Al, I want to ask you again, and and uh, because we have listeners from around the world, and and uh, we from time to time I get some email from them. And um, but you are you 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 were with, with Eastern for when did you start, Al? Uh, Sixties. Yeah, sixty-five. Okay, so you were about three years after I came with the company. Um, yeah, yeah uh, and you've all well, you've danced around Eastern property from New York to my to Atlanta, and you retired yeah. in Atlanta, right? Right. And Renee, yeah. you you started up in Toronto, and you 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 were down in South Florida for a while, weren't you, Renee? Yeah, I transferred to the Continental Eastern Sales uh, uh, team, and I was based in Miami for a while, and uh, then I came back up to I went to Washington, and then came back to Toronto, and we all said goodbye from from Toronto. Okay. Hey, listen. Uh, did you know a guy in sales by the name of Raymond Now? N-A-U? Uh, no, that's not familiar to me. Okay. Uh, he opened Disney uh, in Orlando uh, when we first uh, were on the property there. He was uh-huh. the first sales representative from Eastern there. I used to babysit for him years and years ago. And uh, how about, uh, let's see, Jim Hart. Did you know Jim Hart? Uh, the name sounds familiar, but uh, I didn't have a lot of contact with him. Uh, yeah, Jim, of course, passed away, I think, last year. We don't know the exact date of his passing. But Jim was, I guess, he was uh, in the 50s and the 60s. And, uh, or I think he retired in the 70s. But at any rate, hey, guys, I've got a, uh, I've got a request that uh, was asked of me last week to read. And I want to read it again. And it's from Jody uh Gross, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, G-R-O-S-S, Gross or Gross, like Cross, I guess. Jody, I'm sorry if you're listening that I've messed up your last name, but at any rate, uh, uh, you asked that, uh, did I interview Peggy Goodrich? And um, uh, yes, I interviewed Peggy 
I think it was earlier this year or it was the latter part of last year. And um, as she mentioned in her uh, request of me, that uh, she says that she's the oldest living Eastern Airlines stewardess in the world. And she has been moved temporarily to a nursing care. And she's really needing some love from her Eastern family. And the request was that uh, would you mind spreading her current or spreading her current address and have your people send her cards and letters of encouragement. Peggy is now uh, approaching 98 and a half years old. So uh, her address is Peggy Goodrich. I guess like the tires, that's easy to remember, Peggy Goodrich. And um, her uh, address is 2801 Felton Drive. That's F-E-L-T-O-N, 2801 Felton Drive, room 144-E. I'm sorry, room 144-2, and that's in East Point, Georgia, uh, and the area code is 30344. And as she said, she is currently 98 and a half years old. Uh, Peggy was a great interview when she was on our radio show, and a sharp of mine, and I think she was golly, uh, approaching 98 at the time of our interview, and uh, someone suggested that I call her and uh, and talk to her and see if she'd come on the radio show, which I did. And before we uh, uh, interviewed her on the radio show, I was absolutely amazed at her memory at that age of the people that she worked with with Eastern Airlines and the equipment that she flew. I mean, the DC-3s and the uh, Martins and the Convairs and the Connies all the way up into the jets she worked wow. uh, flights. And uh, it was just amazing. Um, I think for the most part, she uh, was based in Atlanta. And, uh, of course, East Point, Georgia is where the uh, Hartsfield Airport is, Atlanta, Hartsfield, Jackson, whatever they call it now, Jackson, Hartsfield, or whatever, uh, International Airport, so East Point's right there at home for the for the airport. So she's not got too she's not gotten too far away from where she was working. So um, uh, at any rate, if uh, you care to do that, it's uh, again Peggy Goodridge, and her address is 2801 Felton Drive, room 144-2, East Point, Georgia. And the zip code is 30344. Now, along with that announcement, uh, I got a call from Connie, uh, excuse me, Colleen DeFelice, who was one of our hosts, and she took ill a little over a year ago, uh, had an operation of lung, I think it was lung cancer, and I talked to her yesterday. And she's getting reporting stories about Peggy and where she is. Uh, she got a call from another Eastern flight attendant uh, concerned that Peggy was no longer in a nursing home, but uh, or she was in a nursing home, and that someone picked her up and took her there, uh, and Peggy didn't know where she was once she was checked in, apparently, 
probably hmm. not getting the story exactly right, but if anyone knows about the whereabouts and whether in fact 2801 Felton Drive and the name of that uh, nursing home is Bonterra, B-O-N-T-E-R-R-A, Nursing Care. Bonterra Nursing Care is the name that uh, I've got. So we want to find out about Peggy, how she is, and where she is, because a lot of people would like to try to communicate with her once again. And I'd love to have her on the radio show, because every time I mention a pilot that I flew with, an old World War II pilot, Captain uh, she had flown with him many, many hours, that person, and had stories to tell him, tell me about the ones that I'd call off. And it was just so much fun to talk with her. But um, someone suggested that perhaps uh, one of the flight attendants might go to that address on Felton Drive and see if, in fact, she is there. Because at that age, you know, we elderly Folks, I don't know how you guys feel about it. You are younger, youngins probably, Al and and Renee. But uh, it seems like a lot of folks want to take advantage of uh, elderly folks, especially those in nursing homes. So we'd hate to see that uh, come about with Peggy. So anyhow, that's um, what I have right now, and I want to hit you with a song and see what you guys think about it because you guys didn't hear it last week and I'm going to do another radio show for a community and I thought about using this song and um, see what you think about it and see if you can name the uh, band that played this instrumental because there are no words in what you're about to hear so here it is guys ever heard that song before? No. Uh-uh. Renee? I don't... I, it, it's called Joey's Song. Joey's Song. And it was 
recorded by none other than Bill Haley and his comments. Now, Al, you know Bill Haley. Yeah, I, I know think. Bill Haley. I think I know Bill. <laughs> yeah, rock around the clock tonight. Remember that one? Yeah. 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 Okay. Al just came back online here, and I'm interested to find out whether Al Jenkins. Have you ever heard that song, Al? No. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Renee. Renee, have you ever heard that song before? If you heard it. Well, I'm having trouble with Renee's staying online. He keeps coming on and going off. So uh, at any rate, uh, I've got a couple of things I wanted to talk about. First of all, uh, on the Internet, Facebook, I get uh, from the Eastern Airlines Retiree Association Facebook page and also the radio show Facebook page that I operate and try to keep current, uh, I get uh, people from around the world um, contributing maybe maybe just a sentence or maybe more, and in this case, a lot more, because I got this from a, a person in, in, over in Europe, I suppose that's where it came from, and He's reading a story, or he sent me a story, about the life of an airline pilot, an airplane pilot. So I'm, I'm going. Also, I've got a little follow-up about the uh, mechanics. So stay tuned, Al. But here's what this guy has the impression of airplane pilots, and he says in this article that he sent. We all admire planes, uh, planes pilots. Well, I'm going to try to read it and correct as we go. Uh, that impose respect, authority, and are responsible for transporting us to our destinations on, uh, in travel. We hear their voices in the airplane's horns. I guess that's what they call the microphone. Horns, and sometimes we see them as they inspect the aircraft before departing. But... For most of the flight, the pilots are a mystery, majestic in their uniforms, locked in the booth. I guess the booth referring to the cockpit. You know your life is in their hands, and, but how are their lives in the times in the times they run? I don't know exactly. I guess out of the airplane is what he's referring to. And he says, turns out it's not very glamorous. And it's often exhausting. Oh, I see what he's referring to now. He's referring, how about their lives outside the cockpit? And he states, turns out it's not very glamorous, and it's not often, and it's often exhausting. Reader's Digest magazine called on 17 drivers, I guess he means pilots here, of major airlines and regional operators in the U.S., to spread some of the realities of their jobs. And many of the comments are chilling. And here's a quote. The truth is, we're exhausted, said one pilot. Our work, work rules allow us to work 16 hours straight. Now, I don't know what country that is, but I think it's a little bit less than that here in America. 
It's much longer than allowed to a cargo truck driver. Unlike a chauffeur who can stop at brake stops on the freeways, we can't stop in the next cloud, he told the magazine, the captain of a major airline. Another pilot said bad accommodations also make it hard to get enough sleep. When you get on a plane at at a.m., uh, referring to morning, you want your pilot to be rested and ready. But the hotels where they put us now are so bad, there are many nights I roll around in bed all the time. They're in ugly neighborhoods where there's noise, beds have bugs, and there's even been stabbing in the parking lot, a U.S. airline captain. Pilots also discussed some cost reduction measures implemented by their airlines in recent years. One of the comments that most surprised that most surprised of this particular editor of Reader's Digest is about fuel. I'm constantly pressed to carry less fuel than I'm comfortable carrying. Airlines are always looking for the bottom line and you burn fuel, loading fuel, if you carry too much. Sometimes you carry only the, the indispensable fuel, and if you encounter thunderstorms or delays, you run out of gas and have to go to an alternate airport, another captain said. Pilots are actually dealing with a very, very closed margin, uh, CNN said, a revelation that can disturb many travelers. And if you're afraid of those rompers who shake your coffee during flight, I like rompers. Uh, I guess turbulence is what he's referring to. Who shake your coffee during flight? Take note that pilots avoid turbulence because it's annoying, not because it's dangerous. But pay attention to the crew signs. It's one thing for the pilot to turn on the seatbelt sign for passengers, but if he tells the flight attendants, then you better listen up. That means a major turbulence is coming, said one one pilot, and who is an airline lawyer and former flight captain. And here's just a little bit more to this story about the description of a pilot. There are also some drivers that have secrets you need to know as the best time to give them a compliment. I'm not sure about that statement, but... Maybe this will clear it up. Most of the time, the way you land is a good indicator of the pilot's prowess. <laughs> so if you want to say something nice to the pilot while you get off the airplane, tell him, good landing, sir. We do appreciate that, uh, one pilot told the magazine. Another uh, of the ways I've seen as passengers thanks and give signs of joy upon arriving safe and sound to the final destination is by their applaud. Representatives of some airlines should not skimp on providing good treatment to those who uh, take the lives of hundreds of people, pilots offering them safe and comfortable accommodations locations. They don't have time to walk, and I think all they want to do is rest in complete peace of mind. You know, that might have been a middle school uh, article that was sent in by someone describing a pilot.
But here's a great song that I call it the pilot song. See what you think about this. My grandpa was a pilot, my dad was a pilot, and I want to be a pilot too. Flying in the great big sky, I want to fly the great big blue. My grandpa was a pilot, my dad was a pilot, and I want to be a pilot too. Flying in the great big sky, I want to be just like you. I'll sit up front and hold the steering wheel, pull the throttle back to get a good feel of the airplane going way up high. The house is below, so small in the sky. My grandpa was a pilot, my dad was a pilot, and I want to be a pilot too. Flying in the great big sky, I want to fly the great big blue. My grandpa was a pilot, my dad was a pilot, and I want to be a pilot too. Flying in the great big sky, I want to be just like you. I'll fly through clouds and touch the sun, tilt the wings right and left to have some fun. And when I stop, I'll use my landing gear. When I touch the ground, they all will cheer. My grandpa was a pilot, my dad was a pilot, and I want to be a pilot too. Flying in the great big sky, I want to fly the great big blue. My grandpa was a pilot, my dad was a pilot, and I want to be a pilot too. Flying in the great big sky, I want to be just like you. Call me Captain, that's my name. A bird in the sky will be the same. My grandpa was a pilot, my dad was a pilot, and I want to be a pilot too. Flying in the great big sky, I want to fly the great big blue. My grandpa was a pilot, my dad was a pilot, and I want to be a pilot too. Flying in the great big sky, I want to be just like you. I want to be just like you. I want to be just like you. Dad. (laughs) Sorry for the cough in between there. But not to leave you mechanics out, I found this song also. And so we're going to have to start trying to find some songs for the rest of uh, the people that work on airline. But, uh, Al, I'm going to dedicate this song to you, and I'm sure you've heard it once before. Okay.
Associated with uh, aviation, and uh, there's some good ones out there. But uh, uh, let's see. The next thing I wanted to talk about is uh, uh, some breaking news that just happened here just a few days ago, and it happened right there in your backyard, Al. And uh, a small plane crashed just after takeoff Friday, this past Friday afternoon from a suburban airport in northeast suburb of Atlanta, killing all four people aboard. The FAA said the single-engine Cessna 210 crashed about 1.10 p.m. at DeKalb Peachtree Airport and caught fire. All four people on board died, a county fire spokesman said. At least 15 firefighters stationed at the county-owned airport, raced onto the runway and put out the flames relatively quickly, relatively quickly, according to the county fire official speaking with the Atlanta Constitution Journal. Officials did not immediately release the identities of those killed. The airport is set on more than 700 acres, less than 10 miles from downtown Atlanta with an average of about 209,000 annual takeoffs and landings over the past three decades. 
It is the state's second busiest airport behind only Atlanta's Hartsfield-Jackson Airport, according to its website. And the FAA said the NTSB, the National Transportation Safety Board, would be leading the investigation. There was no immediate indication of what may have caused the crash. Now, Al, you don't live too far from Shamley, do you? Shamley, Georgia, where this happened? No. Yeah, I'm not too far from there. I'm about uh, 15 miles. Okay. When I was uh, based in Atlanta, I had an office over at uh, Peachtree DeKalb Airport. Matter of fact, the principal fixed base operator there is a good friend of mine, Pat Epps, Epps Epps Flying Service. And Pat, uh, I had an office right next to his office. And um, over the years, they have had some accidents at that airport. I remember one accident was in a a piston airplane or, yeah, a piston airplane, and they had gassed it with jet fuel. And, again, the airplane took off and it crashed on takeoff. And it was just outside the uh, airport boundary where it uh, crashed. I forgot the fatalities on on that particular crash, but uh, yeah, that's pretty close into Atlanta, only 10 yeah. miles as the crow flies, and um, right there. And um, at any rate, it's sad that uh, four people lost their lives, and of course, we'll probably be hearing anytime. If you hear anything, Al, about what the newspaper reports or whatever, and if you are back with us next week. Would you give us a report on that? I'd appreciate it. Okay. Sometimes waiting for the NTSB to uh, come out with a probable cause usually can take anywhere from a few months to a few years before they can actually render the cause, the probable cause. But that was sad. Now, here's a uh, I, as I mentioned I, before, I sent out announcements of our shows to all airlines that have retiree associations. And uh, I, United and Pan Am and Braniff and National, to mention a few. And they all allow me to post uh, the Eastern Airlines radio show. And I get usually uh, likes about uh, the program from those that have listened to us off the air. And of course, most of our listeners do listen to us by tuning in the radio show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie, because we're not an earth-based radio show. We're satellite-based, and that's why folks from countries like Romania, Slovakia can hear us uh, live if they're up that late, because now 2 o'clock here might be 9 o'clock somewhere else on the other side of the world. But at any rate, this one United person employee, Chris Ruiz, Ruiz, Chris Hess Ruiz from United said, while working as a secretary downtown Chicago in the mid-'70s, I had it all planned out to go to an interview at Eastern on a Saturday morning. 
I prayed about it the night before for something to happen to let me know I shouldn't go. But just not a car accident, he states in brackets here. And I woke up with a face like, I can't pronounce it, gargoyle, G-A-R-G-O-Y-L-E. Not certain what that word is or what one looks like. Needless to say, I stayed home and said, thank you, Lord. And in 1996, I interviewed at United Airlines and had a lovely 20-plus year career at Chicago as a flight attendant and an emergency procedures instructor. This is my Eastern Airlines memory that never was. So he was happy where he landed, as are so many people that listen to this show and that uh, communicate through Facebook and the Internet of Eastern Airlines. And so how thankful we were to get hired by uh, Eastern Airlines. I have never had any doubts that it was a, any other carrier that I could have chosen um, that chose me, I should say. But uh, when the call came through, well, I was excited. I don't know how about you, Al and Renee, about what your feelings were when you were hired by Eastern. Perhaps you came with another air, from another airline. Uh, Renee, when, when were you hired, Renee? Think he's not on. Yeah, I think his communication. Sorry, there. I, I, I was on mute. Oh, I was okay. On March first, nineteen sixty-seven. Nineteen sixty-seven. So we were all hired in the sixties. Okay. And yeah, yeah. how did you get your call? Did you apply up there in in what Toronto at the time for the job? And and you got the call. Tell tell us about that, Renee. Um. Uh, well, to make a story short, I was fired from an insurance company uh, in Toronto, and um, I went to a, a place that uh, they do uh, searches for jobs. I, I interviewed on a Friday at three places. They all hired me. Saturday morning in the Toronto Star, there was an ad for Eastern Airlines two weeks away. So I went back to the guy I was talking to, and I said, they all hired me two weeks and give you a call after I do the interview with the interns? The guy uh-huh. thought I was crazy. Anyhow, I went to the airport, had the interview with Hindenburg, um, who was uh, one of the eastern uh, managers from Montreal, and uh, they had like 120 people there to be interviewed. Wow. I had no experience with the airlines, and the guy beside me was from Air Canada, and I said, hey, what are the airlines like? He said, oh, they're terrible. <laughs> I said, thanks a lot. <laughs> Anyhow, I did the interview, and uh, I, in a few weeks later, uh, I got a, a letter saying that I was accepted. Ed Barbie, who was, I think, down from Georgia, was the manager in London or in Toronto at the time, and he was the best. He was like a father to me, and it was just a, a wonderful, wonderful time. Great. And, um, and, and then you did you do your basic training? Down in Miami, I guess they gave all the training there instead of at the base. Uh, well, actually, uh, Eastern was going from two flights a day up to four uh, evening and morning flights. They hired 12 people at 
the time. So we did the training. Uh, the trainers came into Toronto when we were trained at the airport. Oh, okay. Very, very good. All right. Very good. And Al, how were you? Uh, when you were hired in '65, you said earlier. Right. Or, uh, 60, before yeah. that. Before that, I worked with American Airlines, and uh, needless to say, they uh, went on a strike, and so I had to go home. <laughs> and I had a friend; his mother was, uh, you know, get jobs for people, and mm-hmm. she called me and told. Me, is well go here to Eastern. She gave me somebody's name. I can't think of his name now. And I walked in there, and they he looked at me, asked me a few questions, said you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they were desperate. <laughs> well, I needed all the help I could get to get on with Eastern, and and uh, they sure gave it to me. When I say they, uh, I was the chief flight instructor for Tercer Aviation out at Opelika Airport in Miami. And uh, a lot of folks have landed airplanes thinking they were landing at Miami International, but uh, they have the same parallel runways over at Opelika back in the early days uh, when I was instructing there. And it just so happened I got the contract for Tercer to train all of the Eastern engineers that were hired uh, to take flight training because of the requirement the FAA put in force that all people uh, in the cockpit have pilot's licenses or certificates. And so, of course, the captain and the (laughs) co-pilot had to have um, pilot certificates and and the engineer did not. The engineer had a, a flight engineer rating certificate. So uh, we convinced Eastern to let Tercer uh, do the flight training of the initial class. And we had, I think at the time, 25 of the first flight engineers hired uh, by Eastern. And Ed Graham was the number one on the seniority list of flight engineers. But at any rate, to make a long story short, those guys went to work for me to try to help me get on with Eastern. And um, at the time, the only way that you could get on with Eastern, of course, was to have a flight engineer rating because the flight engineers had gone out on strike. And those that were recalled uh, were offered opportunities to get their pilot certificates and um, so they worked for me and one of the guys that I personally instructed Tom Lott L-O-T-T was uh, the cousin of O.B. Bivens Captain O.B. Bivens and he was doing the hiring at the time this was in the late uh, let's see 62 and 63 and um, so I had gone out to Seattle, and if we got our engineer rating, we could work for Alaska Airlines. And a friend of mine, who was my dentist at the time, and I instructed him for his instructor rating, and he was teaching with Tercer as well. He and I went out to get our engineer's uh, rating certificates, and we were training on the 1649 Constellation when the call came through from O.B. Bivens asking 
Gene and myself, Gene Rosenthal and myself, to come back to Miami. We had jobs. So that's the story. And boy, were we happy. He said, I can't get you to Chicago, but I can get you from Chicago to Miami. So we we paid for our tickets from Seattle to Chicago, and we were in class on Monday, and um, it was great. It was super. So that's the story, and uh, uh, I've got one more song, a real short one here, just to cheer up our day, and I played it last week. I want you guys to hear it. song I wrote, you might want to sing it note for note, don't worry, be happy, in every life we have some trouble, but when you worry you make it double, don't worry, be happy, don't worry, be happy now. Condors on the long runs 
to Atlanta and Jacksonville. And now a new flood of applicants are coming in. Of course, I add new hostesses from time to time, but I couldn't begin to care for all who want to apply. Ms. Cullum, whose office is in the passenger terminal of Eastern Air Transport at Newark Airport, declared that most of the applicants seem to be of the type desired by the airline. And most of them, too, seem to realize that there is considerable work in connecting connection with the job, but are willing to work for the privilege of flying. So about 1931, Eastern added hostesses to the airplanes, Curtis Condors, and, um, and so it all began. But just ahead of Eastern, so we weren't the first airline to hire flight attendants, stewards, stewardesses, and earlier hostesses. Uh, United Airlines had that distinction of being the first to hire, and it wasn't called United at the time. It uh, forgot the name of it, but it was operating under a different name. So at any rate, there you have it, guys. Well, I appreciate you guys uh, showing up and and being with me today, and and uh, no problem. And I uh, hope your your week goes well for you. And um, Renee, are you retired officially now? Are you doing anything? Are you working uh, any other job? Uh, I'm working uh, basically. It's a volunteer for the the Royal Canadian Air Force Association. They oh. have a wing from 1940. Uh, London used to be the RCAF base, Crumlin, a full uh, Air Force base that was sold and gone, but. The wing is there, and it's the association, so I'm, I'm a member of the association, and so I'm keeping my fingers in aviation. I can't get away from it. Do you have uh, Do you have any kind of equipment associated with the association, like a museum or any airplanes or anything like that? Uh, the building that we that we are in used to be when it was the Air Force Base. It was a canteen uh, that they would go to when the work was over and dances and all that sort of stuff. So we're in that building from 1937. It's the last building left at the airport from the Air Force Base, so it's a historical. And we do have a Spirit of Flight Aviation Museum within the uh, the building itself. Oh, so we're okay. attached to history. And we just had the uh, the London Air Show worked out of our building. Um, we had a, a drive-in air show, second year in a row, and it was really, really successful. So we got our fingers in the pie. Okay, very good. And uh, it, it's it, so it's a historical association is what it amounts to, right? Uh, well, actually, um, when World War II came along, they they needed pilots, so they did the British Commonwealth Air Training Plan, and there was about a couple of hundred uh, fields across Canada where they trained uh, pilots from New Zealand, Australia, India, and so this was part of the uh, the. Uh, the training plan to get pilots. They did 250,000 pilots, I think, uh, on the entire program. So we're still there. We're part of the British Commonwealth Air Training Plan as part of the history of the association. And we have meetings every year, well, in non-COVID years. Uh, mm -hmm. Mostly, a lot of it's retired Air Force uh, personnel or people that are just interested in aviation. Do you have a website presence? Uh, we have uh, 427 London Wing, 
would be our website. 427 London yeah. Wing. Yeah. Dot com or dot. Uh, let's see here. 427. So the, um, the website is 4www.427wing.com. That's it. 427wing.com. Yeah. Okay. All right, I'm going to take a look at that, and uh, and uh, that's interesting to know. Very good. Well, I sure appreciate you, you guys being with me today, and of course, we're going to let old Merle, Merle Haggard sing us out of here on Silver Wings. <laughs> and so until next week, same time, same station. We'll okay. see you guys. All right, Al, Renee, and listeners around the world. Bye. See ya. Roaring They're taking you away and leaving me lonely. Silver wings slowly fading out of sight. Don't leave me, I cry. Don't take that airplane ride. But you locked me out of your mind and left me standing here behind silver wings shining in the sunlight roaring engines headed somewhere in flight they're taking you away Renee. Thank you. Bye-bye.